0: Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and
1: our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kavakian can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message.
0: Um, You know what, today uh, I want to talk to us about something that really has been the foundation for my life. One of the keys to me going on this journey of faith, of Christianity, Um, I got saved when I was eight in, um, in a, on a Sunday school camp, and then I went on a journey of, of of my faith. So, if you're here in the room today for the very first time, I want to say welcome. So good to see you here. I am just wrapped that you've come, and I believe that what I'm going to talk about today is going to help you. Whether you've ever believed in God, whether you think there's a God, whether you've got you've you've known Him along the way, whether you love Him passionately, whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, or you got saved last Sunday. I believe what I'm going to talk about today is going to help every single one of us. So I think that's pretty cool, hey? Well, um, I have got this very heavy uh, toolbox in my left hand that you can, you can see. Um, I think it's handmade by one of the Barillaro boys. Isn't it gorgeous? And, uh, it's, and you know what? If everybody needs a bit of a, a good toolbox with some handy tools in it. You know, everybody needs... Um, what do you need? Every, every toolbox should have a hammer. Yeah, you got to bang some things, smash some things, you know. Everything needs a good bang every now and again. And um, oh, oh. it's Some pliers, you know, a handy set of pliers. Every family should have a set of these out the back somewhere in a drawer. Now, Richard loves to take my kitchen appliances and pretend that they're tools for, like, outdoor activities, for building things, but this is what... This is a toolbox, huh? and this has all the things that, you know, a guy needs and a girl, the handy girl. You know, uh, this one here, I think they call this a spanner. Is this a spanner? No. (laughs) I know that. And uh, this is my favourite, the screwdriver. I think this is probably the handiest tool anyone could possibly have. You know, I've got one in my top drawer in my kitchen, so he can use that when he needs it, but for me, the toolbox of my spiritual life, the thing, the piece of equipment that is my handiest one as a Christian has been this. The Word of God has been... The most significant tool in my Christian walk. From a young girl to today, this book, these pieces of paper with the Word of God on them that has been so key to my growth, my walk, my faith, my struggles when I'm I'm having difficulty. This, this, this has been the thing that's got me through. And today I want to talk about this, the Bible the Bible as a whole for us as Christians that this is a tool that we are given in our toolbox. Paul says in Ephesians that it's actually our sword. He says the Word of God is like a sword and it's, it's, we've got it and we get to use it. He says it cuts deep. He says it's like a finest of surgical tools that we have access to. That's the Word of God. This book here is actually God's testimony. From the beginning to the end, it's God's story. It's God's story of love for you and for me, of how he's helped people, of how he's come through at every turn, of how he's rescued, the miracles of do- he's done, the plans he's had for us. From the start to the finish, it's not about the men and women. It's about him and how he interacts with those men and women. That's what this book is. It's his love story to us. This book is what we can build our lives on. This book is the Bible. And today, whether you've ever read it before, whether it's sitting on your shelf dusty, whether you don't believe it, I want to give you some tips and some things that I believe are going to help you and are going to inspire you maybe to open it for the first time or open it in a fresh way today. So is that cool? I'd love to pray for you, Father, as we just talk about your Word today, about this this supernatural book that we have, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us, that today you would stir in us a hunger for your Word, a desire for your Word, and that, Lord, you would reveal truth to every single one of us. Amen. 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 You know what? This Bible is, is the foundation of everything the Christian faith is built on. It's our building block. It is is the rock, the substance. Nothing is is taught here that is not first found here in this Bible. This is our foundation. And today, I've messaged my title, Jumpstart It. Because I want us to jumpstart our love, our passion. Our hunger for the word. I want us to shift gears. I want us to go to another level. You know, from, from never starting to always reading. I want to shift something today for every single one of us. Amen? The Bible is actually alive. In, um, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, I mentioned that it says it's like a sword, but that scripture starts by saying, For the word of God is alive and active alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates like a surgical tool and penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This book was actually written by the Holy Spirit. It's actually alive. It actually is just not words on paper, physical words on paper. It is alive. It speaks to us. It addresses the issues of our life. You know, what the Bible is like the recipe book for eternity and life. And, you know, when we got married, I actually couldn't cook. My daughter this week asked me to teach her to cook because she's going to get married soon. And, and um, I was like, mm, well, I couldn't cook. Sorry, actually, Michael asked me to teach her to cook. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> oops. but um, you know, I... I couldn't cook. My poor husband was being tortured with food and then I started to watch a TV show that taught me to cook and, he, and I started to read recipe books and I was learning. I'm like, oh, is that what that means? Is that what that ingredient does? I'd make a mistake. I'd work it out. And um, so look, this is, I, I, I didn't cook, now I cook. Richard knows this is going bad. Right about now, he's about to cop a story that he doesn't want me to share. He knows. But let me start by saying Richard is awesome. Everybody repeat with me. Richard is awesome. One more time. Richard is awesome. But for the sake of an illustration, sorry, honey you you're going down. Um, <laughs> so the other night, he came home. He gets these He gets these fetishes for food, for strange things. And, and it's like I've learned over the years, before I'd be like, well, I can't cook that. I don't have time to cook that now. And I'd be freaking out. But now I go, go ahead. Cook it. Do what you like. Find a recipe. So he wanted to cook keto bread. So off he goes gets in the pantry, finds all these strange and unusual ingredients which we had, which was lucky, and he's cooking them, he's mixing everything up and he's asking me things from the other half of the room. I'm like, you're doing it, hon, I'll leave you to it. You're on your own in there. So he was doing his thing and then he put it in the oven. It took him about an hour to make this beautiful bread. And um, he put it in the oven, said it had to cook for 50 minutes. It was in the oven and he goes, after about 45 minutes, he says, oh, I think it was meant to go in the microwave. <laughs> I'm like, well, where did you even get the idea of a microwave from? If you read the recipe and the recipe says an oven, why would you think the microwave was an option? But anyway, he's like, oh, because I think I should have done another recipe. There's a different recipe. I'm like, well, did you read the recipe? He's like, yeah, yeah, I read the recipe. I like, okay, okay, cool. Well, doesn't matter. We'll go with the recipe. Anyway, he gets them out of the oven. They smell amazing. They look okay. They're a little bit doughy, not, but they're okay. They're good. So we, I put it to my nose. He's already eaten one. But I'm like, oh, these aren't right. These are wrong. I said, did you put baking powder or baking soda? You know where I'm going. And he's like, I don't know. Aren't they the same? That the same thing? I'm like, no, honey. These are you put, you know, that taste of it gives you that horrible sour, it's wrong, it's wrong. So, this whole bunch of beautiful keto bread rolls with all these expensive, no, it doesn't matter, hun. ingredients went into the rubbish, and we both were like, oh, but I knew straight away what was wrong. I knew because. I had experience in reading recipes. I've learned over the years, I've, I've read lots of recipes. He's not so experienced in that and he missed that one bit. But the more he reads recipes, the more he gets them into, him. the more he will have the wisdom to know and that's the Word of God for us. The more we read the Word of God, the more we get us in us, we can make wise decisions, good decisions, and we can go forward. So honey, sorry, but that was just the right story. We can all get familiar with God's recipe for us. The more, the more we read it, we don't have to wing it. We can know that this is God's way, that this is God's plan, that His Word speaks truth. We don't have to guess and wonder. The more we consume God's Word, the more we understand His heart, His character, His love for us and His plan for our future. Now, whether you're a Christian or you're not, the Bible is actually a really amazing book. It's a great tool for life. Most of the philosophical questions that people wonder about and think about, the answers are actually in the Bible. Things like, where did we come from? Why are we here? What's my purpose? Is there life after death? These questions are all answered right here in God's Word. The Bible holds us practical answers for the issues of life. What we struggle with, how do I get a partner? How do I find the right partner? How do I become a great leader? How do I run a successful business? These things are in here. These things are in the Word of God. How do I raise my children? What are the strategies for resolving conflict? How do I change? How do I become a different person? How do I deal with the things in myself that are causing me harm and grievance? It's in the Word of God. How do I live without regret? How do I handle my money? All this stuff, all this great stuff is in here. But I have a question. Can you trust it? Can you trust what's actually in there? Who actually wrote this book? Where did it come from? Well, it's actually quite a supernatural book because the the Bible was written over 1,500 years, 1,500 years worth of writing in one book. Forty different authors wrote that book. Of those 40 different authors, most of them were complete strangers were separated right across time. They came from a variety of professions. There were businessmen, shepherds, farmers, doctors, preachers, kings. All of these people contributed to the Bible. All of them just from normal human walks of life. Yeah. They served under different governments and they lived in different cultures. They had different systems of philosophy. Yeah. Yet this book carries one theme yeah. How? How is that possible? Think about that. The diversity of the authors, the diversity of time, the diversity of culture, of thinking. Can you imagine putting together 40 people from across the earth today in the same time frame and coming up with one book that has one thought from start to finish? It's impossible. How? How has this happened? I'll tell you how this has happened. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. It says, and we also thank God for continual... Thank him continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but it is as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. This word of God is God. He's the author, He's the one who put it together. That's why it works. That's why there's one theme, one thread from the beginning to the end. It is supernatural. 2 Timothy chapter um, 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is, you say it. God breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Why? Why? So that the servant of God, you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so that we can have our toolbox <laughs> equipped with what we need. That's the Word of God. It's the tool we all get to use, this miraculous book that we have access to. So how did it actually end up in our hands? If all these people wrote it over all this time, how did we physically get the book? Well, about 100 years after Jesus' birth, we had essentially this book in place, most of it, as it stands today. Then... By the, uh, about 400 years after Jesus, we had a Latin translation of that whole book. Then after that, um, the monks would actually meticulously copy. You know all the movies of the monks and and they're all there. They're all writing on these little scrolls and they're writing the Bible. They were copying meticulously the Bible. They would check. They would um, look, um, watch each other doing it to make sure it was accurate. They did that for one thousand years. And then we have the first printed off the printing press edition in 1400 in Latin. But King James decided in the late 1500s that he wanted a version in English. The printing press had taken on. There was um, opportunity to reproduce without it being handwritten. And so King James invested in in translating the, the Old Hebrew, the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek, he wanted to put it all together in one English version that could be read by all of his people. And so we find that that actually is, that's the King James Version, which was given to us in about 1600 and is now the foundation of the Bible that you and I read today. How cool is that? That a book that is so old, written by so many is still so relevant to every decision I make every single day. Now today, we have so many translations and then I have people ask me, like these are all questions people ask me, like, oh, you read from the Bible, but how do I know I can believe it? Where did it come from anyway? These are questions that people ask me and probably your friends ask you. Maybe some of you have these questions. And um, so we have, first of all, we ended up with the, the King James Version. Now we have so Many versions. We've got the latest one that I've heard about. is called The Passion. Like there's, there's The Message. There's the NIV, the NLT. How do we have so many versions? Well, essentially, they're all versions back from the original Greek and Hebrew to help us understand what it's saying in our common language. I'm really glad they took out all the vows of these. Yeah, How about you? Yeah? Because, you know, I know it sounds holier when you talk like that, but it really doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, there's lots of versions. What's important? The important thing is you find one that makes sense for you, one you can understand, and one that you actually want to read. When you do that, you're going to want to do it. So it's not important about what, which one, look, you know, there are some that are the key, but don't don't get distracted by that. Just read your Bible. Just open your Bible. Whatever it looks like, whatever shape or form it comes in. So can we trust that it actually hasn't changed over time? Maybe what they did write back then was, maybe it's different now. The version we ended up with isn't the original version. Well, um, I think this is a great question. So is it accurate? Is the Bible actually from the original? Well, in 1947, archaeologists found a little document called the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, this was, this was significant in Christian history. You know, it's like God's giving us the tools for so long. We've just had to trust, had to trust, had to trust. And then we get this, in a, in a wall, we get this This scroll comes out. And in that are pieces of Old Testament writings that are more than a thousand years older than any that were currently on record, that any were being held anywhere. One thousand years, dated earlier. So this is exciting because if if you've got a version from here, and then you've got a version a thousand years later, and this is the version we're relying on, the question is, what's the difference? How much did it change between here and here? You know Chinese whispers. What are the odds? It's going to have changed. Surely it's going to have changed. 99.5% of this document matched this document that had been hidden in a wall for thousands of years. 99.95%. And what were the differences? A full stop. A comma. The smallest of irrelevant things that didn't change the meaning or the value. This Word of God that we have is the original, authentic Word of God. That's the Old Testament. So when they found the um, the Dead Sea Scrolls, it validated the accuracy of the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament is actually recognised as humanity's most reliable ancient document. Wow. That's a big statement. That's a massive statement. Well, what are some other reliable documents that you may have heard about, you may have studied? Most of us know about Plato, yeah? You've been to university, you've studied philosophy. Plato, he's a good guy. Everyone loves him. No one's questioning Plato's, uh, what he said. Well, Plato's The Republic was written in 380 BC. So, okay, this, this is Jesus. This is Jesus, so BC zero, right? So Plato wrote that 380 years before Jesus. The first copy of that piece of that writing that we have is down here, okay? Wow, that's a reliable document. Hmm, let me see. And we have how many copies? Seven. Okay, but we, Plato's cool. We all agree with Plato. We think what he said was great. Okay, let's try another one. Caesar's Gaelic Wars. Were written a hundred years. <laughs> the first copy we have of his writings are... Here. Okay. But we have 10 copies. So that's better. 10 copies. So let me think. Hmm. Wow, I wonder how the New Testament compares to that. Let's have a look, hey? Okay. Jesus. The New Testament was written here. And then the first copies that we have are here. And how many of them do we have? Five thousand copies! Oh my gosh! That's crazy! That's crazy! I don't know if it's real. Mm. Okay, I've got some more thoughts for you. So this is good, isn't it? This thing's worth living by. Come on. Oh, that exercise. (laughs) I haven't done any lately. It's obvious. Okay. So what the writers wrote for the New Testament is, is better preserved than any other manuscripts we have. So we can confidently trust what's here. So what about... Okay, so it's copied correctly. It's the real deal as to what was actually written. But what was written, was it true? Maybe they were just stories, like a fairy tale. Like, you know, a bit of Goldilocks and the three bears. Maybe that's what they are. Because I'm sure that's been copied fairly accurately over time as well. So archeology span has confirmed the Bible's accuracy. Archeologists continually Find real places, real names, real kings of who is listed in the Bible. So this in itself says that this document is historically correct. Many of the things actually that they discounted, there was parts where they're like, nah, that didn't happen. That's not true. One of these was the Pool of Bethesda, found in John chapter 5 verse 2. I think we have a picture of it. It says there that now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is Aramaic, is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So you and I focus on Jesus, what he did there. He actually healed a crippled man. That's the exciting part to you and I. But to a historian, to somebody who's questioning the validity of the story, they look at the evidence around it. Does this place really exist? Well, until 2005, they really didn't believe it existed. They had found no evidence of it. And then they did, 40 foot underground, they found the Pool of Bethesda just 13 years ago. Our Bible is accurate, our Bible is true, our Bible is trustworthy. It's not a fairy tale. It's not fabricated stories. And you know what, if we can trust that what's in there is real, that what is in there is correct, that what is in there is accurate in the physical, then we can trust it in the spiritual. We can trust that when it says Jesus died on the cross for you and me to be saved, I can trust that because the Pool of Bethesda exists. Jesus healed a crippled man at that spot on that day. History tells me that every single piece of archaeological evidence found in Scripture has so far been correct. Not one piece of archaeological evidence that has been found has contradicted Scripture. Not one. That's amazing. So good. Now, I don't know about you, but most of us have probably signed a contract somewhere in life and forgotten to read the small print especially like you know you buy a couch who's reading the small print when you buy a couch it's going to tell me blah 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 you know which that's us we do that you know when you receive jesus did you receive all the small read all the small print you know jesus jesus loves you he died for you do you want to accept him hang on what's all the small print I need to know every detail. No, it's like, oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you saved me. And then it's like, oh, what's the small print? Because we all know the small print can be dangerous. But the Word of God is our small print. The Word of God is the small print. You can't know all this the day you accept Jesus. You can't have devoured all that, understood all that, had the depth of all that. It's our small print. And the great thing is, that our small print is all good. There's no, there's no dark catches in this. The small print is all amazing. And if we delve deeper, if we open it afresh, if we, if we put on new eyes, I know God's going to speak to us afresh and take us deeper into what he has for us. Maybe yours is dusty on a shelf, you've never even read it. Maybe you, you don't even know how, you don't even own one buy one. It's the world's best selling book four times over, more than four times any other book. Yeah. You know what, there's things, there's, when we don't read the small print, we miss out. You know, since Richard got his new car, his Porsche, he um, drives my car, we drive in my car all the time. <laughs> because his car likes to sit in the, in the garage now, it's, it's special. <laughs> So, which I don't mind, I like my car, it's cool. So we've been driving my car a lot and my car's three years old and really it's been my car, I'm the only person who's pretty much driven it. He got in the other day, he turned the dial for the mirrors a different way and they came in, like, you know, you can move them up and down, I knew that. But they actually came in so that you don't hit them. He's like, wow, your mirrors do that. I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm sure I knew that. I didn't know that. Oh, I never used it. And that's what this is. We can be living our Christian life and have all these benefits and blessings and promises and things we can have access to, but we haven't read the small print. I'm sure it was in my instruction manual. I'm sure if I'd opened it and studied it, it would have told me. Oh, mirror's I don't care, it goes, it takes me from A to B and our faith is meant to be more than that. It's not just meant to take us from A to B. The Word of God is a tool to get us along the way. Come on. Thank you, Richard. Dale Moody, he was a renowned evangelist in America in the Industrial Revolution. He preached to millions face-to-face, not on Facebook. And he said this, He said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday faith would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith did not come. One day I read the 10th chapter of Romans. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study. And faith has been growing Ever since. The Bible is our guidebook for life. It's the it's the one of the great tools in our toolbox. The Bible is our food, our sustenance. We can trust it. We can believe it. We can build our lives on it. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet. It lights my pathway. It shows me where to go. Psalm 119, verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple, to the stupid, to the one who doesn't quite get it, to the one who's struggling to understand. Bring it on. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's not not light for the intelligent. It's light for the everybody. It's wisdom for everyday life to make every decision we need to make. Whether it's electronic, whether it's paper, whether it's on your own or with somebody else, whether it's audible or visual, I don't care how you get the Bible, just get the Bible, all right? Just read the Bible. Don't read somebody else's version of the Bible. Don't read what somebody else read in the Bible. Read your Bible. Open it up. Let God speak to you. Let Him feed you. Let Him give you a fresh life. Let Him open your eyes. Holy Spirit, show us. You may have, no- I promise you, if you're here today and you don't, Believe in this thing. Just open and say, God, speak to me. Give it a go. See what happens. I want you to jumpstart your Bible reading. Jumpstart your hunger for the Bible. Jumpstart your expectation. You know, my first car was a little cream 1978 manual Corolla. And I hated it. I thought it was ugly and daggy from the day I got it. But my dad got it. he said it was a good deal. So I bought my little car and he taught me how to jumpstart. He taught me how to, with my friends to give me a push, drop the clutch, off you go, bit of bunny hopping. And I actually found it really fun. I wanted to start my car like that all the time. Dad goes, you'll wreck the clutch, you can't. But jumpstart, I found, I just loved jumpstarting my car. Drop the clutch. I felt like, because I was a girl. I was an 18-year-old girl. Girls don't know how to drop the clutch and jump jumpstart a car, but I did. It was fun. Made me feel special. Jumpstart the Word of God in your life. Get a new Bible. Buy a new journal. Get a pretty coloured pen. Sit, do it in the afternoon instead of the morning. Oh. Buy, it, buy a different version. Yeah. Buy a coloured one that's got pretty pictures in it. Yeah. Buy one that's got margin on the side, room to write notes. Yeah. Buy one in big print because you're half blind because you need your glasses oh. so you can actually read it. <laughs> buy one with a leather cover. Buy one without a leather cover. Borrow your friends. Get your grandma's old one. I don't care what you do. Yeah. Uh. Just, oh, just get into the Word of God yeah. afresh and new yeah. because God's got good things. Oh, I lost my earring. I'm getting way too excited. I'm jump-starting. Yeah? Just do something. Just do something. You know, ask somebody around you. Say, hey, how do you read your Bible? How do you keep it exciting? What's your latest, fresh way of seeing what God's got for you in your life? How are you doing a word study? Are like you journaling differently? What are you doing? Let's work together. Get in a life group. You know, there's, there's a great little tool It's called SOAP. Just for those maybe that are like, oh, wow. I don't know what to do to help me get started. SOAP. S-O-A-P. Scripture. Just read a bit of Scripture. One verse, 10 verses, six chapters, something. Scripture, observation. What do you see? What's in there? Where are they? What nationality are they? Where did they go? What does it say? Application. What's it mean for you? That's all well and good, what you just read, but how, how, how does this apply to my life? And prayer. Jesus, help me. Help me to live this. Help this to change me from the inside. So, so simple, hey? So simple. And I want to close with this one scripture. My son came in um, last week and he said to me about one of his friends. He said, "You know, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't want to come to church. And he's he's religious. He goes to Christmas and Easter, but he's not interested in this. All he wants to know is, is he going to heaven?" Is His salvation guaranteed? And it was just so awesome that God prepared a way that we don't have to explain it in complicated words, but His Scripture, His Word tells us such a simple answer. Maybe you're here today and maybe you, you would like the answer to that question. Maybe you don't know if, you've, if you're gonna go to heaven. Maybe you're not sure of your salvation. Well, that is the beautiful thing that we get to do right here every single week is to help you see the answer in God's words so you can be assured of what he has done for you. And Romans chapter 9 verses chapter 10 verses 9:11 says this. If you declare with your mouth, if you speak it out, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow. For it is by with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you profess and that you are saved. How good is that? As the Scripture says, as the Bible says, as God's Word that we can trust and and listen to says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. Do you know how powerful shame is in our lives? Shame, Shame keeps us from the good things that God has for us. Shame keeps us from the hope Shame keeps us from knowing that, from trusting that God's going to rescue us. And He says, you won't be put to shame. There is no shame in God. What Jesus did for every single one of us on the cross was took away our shame. And what He says to us is, will you receive the gift I've given you of living without shame, of not having shame? I've got to tell you, it was the best decision I made in my life. As an eight-year-old girl, I felt shame. Just a young girl, how can a young girl feel shame? But when my Sunday school teacher explained to me what Jesus had done, I was like, wow, I need Jesus. So are there some other people in the room today who need Jesus, yes, who want to receive <laughs> those shame?
1: Hi, I'm Richard and pastor of Lifehouse Church just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision@lifehouse.com.au. at We look forward to hearing from you.